We're going to start out of the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 and 18. But the path of the just is as a shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. Another translation says, the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining brighter and brighter until the midday. Now I want you to go to Psalms 23 which is a very common scripture, quoted often, probably preached often. It says, and again, according to the translation, I'm going to read out the American Standard Version. It says, Jehovah is my shepherd, I shall not want. King James would say, the Lord is my shepherd, but Jehovah is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, what I want to draw your minds to when this was written, uh, the book Proverbs is written by Solomon. And this psalm, I believe it's written by David. It's uh one of the Psalms, most of the Psalms were written by David, some by, I think, Moses, and some by the sons of Korah. But I want to put this in context. When, when in the Old Testament, they're talking about righteousness, if they say, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, what are they talking about? Okay. What are the paths of righteousness in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant? And a lot of Christians, I'm not sure that, that we understand this. In the Old Testament, when David said, when David was crying out to God in the book of Psalms, his mind I know he was speaking through the Spirit of Christ, and, and most everything David said was, was in connection to Christ. So even Jesus said that, search the scriptures in them, you think you have life, but they testify me. But in his cry, he's crying out according to the law that he's living under. So when he says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, what he's talking about is the paths of righteousness, I believe, is the law, the old covenant law, okay? And then when we read Proverbs, where we just read that the light shineth unto the perfect day, if you go back in Genesis, God created two great lights in the natural world. He created the sun to rule by day, and he created the moon to rule by night. And I believe I'm going to tell you correct that the moon is a reflection of the sun. 
Okay. So it's light is even reflecting off, I believe, and I have to check this to double check myself, but I believe it's reflecting off of the sun. It's a lesser light. Okay. Now, if I look at that in connection to the covenant and to the Lord, the light that was shining in the day of King David and King Solomon and the prophets was the light of the law. Okay. They were living under God according to the law. They weren't living under God according to Christ. But they were living under God according to the law. So when David prays in the book of Psalms, some of the, some of the prayers he prays, Oh God, judge me for my righteousness sake. He's talking about how he's living in according to the law. That's how he's praying, because that's what he knows. That's what he's under. He's under the law, and his relationship with God is according to the law. Now, if I take this light shining to the perfect day, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I flip over to Galatians 3. Just want to move into Galatians 3. Now, this, of course, is New Covenant writing. So I'm moving from Old Covenant writing to New Covenant writing. And this is where a lot of Christians and even ministers get in trouble or confused is they don't divide the covenant. I, I was uh, actually teaching one time, preaching, and I was up holding a Bible, and I said something like, I live by the Word of God, holding the Bible, which sounds like a good thing to do. And immediately it, it came up in my heart, which covenant do you live by? Immediately the Lord spoke into me, which covenant do you live by? And I and I and I and it hit me, you know, in the Bible is not just one covenant with God. The Bible speaks of multiple covenants, primarily and most most of all, those covenants of the Old Testament all wind up in one large covenant that we know as the law and the prophets. And then when we come over to the new covenant, it's the covenant of God in Christ. Those are the covenants. And, and I'm either in the understanding of the law and the prophets, or I'm in the understanding of the covenant of God in Christ. I live in one or the other in my understanding with God. And a lot of Christians try to live in both of them. So they try to, or they believe that part of the old covenant is still in force and part of the new covenant is in force. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you in a moment. So I want you to listen closely. I'm going to challenge you in a moment. But let's go to Galatians 3 before I challenge you. 
Okay, Galatians chapter 3 says, verse 15, Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet when it hath been confirmed, no one makes it void or adds thereto. Now to Abraham were the promises spoken into his seed. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Now this I say, a covenant confirmed before him by God, the law which came 430 years after does not disannul so as to make the promise of no effect. So the covenant of the old covenant is to the seed or the covenant before the old covenant, excuse me, it's to the seed. So, so God's speaking of the covenant that's in faith, the covenant that's in grace to Abraham before the law ever comes. And that's what he's saying here, that the law came 430 years later. And then he goes on and says, for if the inheritance is of the law, it is no more promise, but God have granted it to Abraham by promise. What then is the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was ordained through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could make alive, verily righteousness would have been of the law. But the scripture shut up all things under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept in ward under the law. We were held, is what that's talking about, under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. So the law is become our tutor. King James says schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So now if I go back and I think of that scripture again, the light shineth unto the perfect day. The law was shining. Look at this. The law was shining till Christ. It was a schoolmaster, a tutor, shining until the seed would come to whom the promise was made, and that seed was Christ. But now, that's the see, that's the brighter day. See, see people think the brighter day is in the future. You know, somewhere in the future, we're going to have a brighter day. Okay? It's what people believe. That's what Christians believe. The brighter day is the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in his day. We don't live under the law. We don't live under the lesser light. The true light now shines. I believe one of the apostles wrote that. The true light now shines. What does that mean? The light of God, the understanding of God, now shines through Jesus Christ. 
The law led us to him. So we're not under the law anymore. We are under Christ. Because the covenant changed. One place the Bible reads, the law and the prophets were until John. Speaking of John the Baptist, that till John came, the law and the prophets. And a lot of people don't see that with John. They read of John the Baptist and they think, oh, I'm in the New Testament. Okay, that those are the gospels, the New Testament writings. But John is an old covenant prophet. Okay, so, so the law and prophets were under John, and then from there, the kingdom of God's preached. Why is, why is that happened? There's a transition in John that's unlike any prophet. Why was John greater than all the prophets? Because Jesus said, as far as a man more than a woman, and, I, and I'm paraphrasing, if there's none like John, why was he greater than Moses? You only read that much about John in your Bible, and Moses, according to what we understand, wrote the first four or five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Deuteronomy, five. And then he wrote some of the Psalms. I don't know if John the Baptist wrote any scripture. <laughs> so, so just to ask you to think, why would Jesus say, as a man born a woman, there, Basically, there's none like John. Well, John was born anointed with the Holy Spirit from birth. That's one reason. But he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. John was the one that anointed the Lord, so to speak, there in the River Jordan. He baptized Christ in the water. That's why he was greater because he was the he was the transition from the old to the new. Okay, so why did Jesus say when he come down to John and John says uh, to Jesus says Jesus I need to be baptized of you. And Jesus says allow it to be so for thus it fulfills righteousness. Why did he say that? He had to come under the old. Jesus submitted himself to John as the as the as the law, as the prophet, as the priesthood of the old. He came under it and was baptized of John in the Jordan. Now, if we could get a hold of, of that picture. Just as I'm speaking to you, the, the Spirit of the Lord is just ministering into my heart. Jesus, behold the Lamb of God that take away the sins of the world, and he comes down to John. And is baptized. We can hear it, maybe even for the remission of the sins of the world. He's going to go to the cross and lay his hands out. And bleed for every man and woman that's ever lived. Because the covenant's going to be changed, and it's that transition that's there in the earth. A new one's on the scene. 
So the light was shining until the perfect day, until the day dawned. What day was dawning? The day of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the greater light. What does Paul, happens to the Apostle Paul? Apostle Paul was a Pharisee, a minister of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. Now, I'm sure he was ministering some things that weren't according to the law. But a lot of people don't think that. He's Saul of Tarsus. He's under the law. He's persecuting the church. He's a Pharisee. <laughs> he's on his way to Damascus. He sees a light brighter than the noonday. He sees a light greater than the law. He begins to declare the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You know that. That's what he begins to declare. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. So, so this light comes in a person. See, see, Christians think it's going to come out there by the sun and the moon. The sun and the moon just speaks of it. It's a testimony to it, but it's not what's going to happen. The light comes in Christ. He's the light of the knowledge of God. My God, the light of the knowledge of God isn't one day just going to go boom. That's what people are teaching you. Someday, the light of the knowledge of God, you're going to know everything. And, and that ain't what Paul said. Paul said the Spirit of God will teach us all things, yea. Jesus, yea, even the deep things of God in the first Corinthians. In first Corinthians chapter 2, the deep things of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the well of water. He's the deepness of God. If I'm going to know deep things of God, I'm going to know Jesus. Well, I don't know any deep things of God. Jesus is the deep things of God. He's the length, depth, breadth, and height. Every measurement of God is found in Christ. In our relationship with God, it's all found in him. <laughs> Glory to God. That's the truth. So the day I declare is not a future day. I declare Jesus Christ is the day. He's my day. He's my life. He's who we live in. Now, I told you it's going to challenge you, so I'm going to challenge you. In the book of Matthew, i got to find it. Give me a one, one moment. In Matthew 5, 18. Start at verse 17. If you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 5, start at verse 17. I want you to read this. I'm, I'm going to read out of the Berean Study Bible. It says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to 
fulfill them. For I tell you truly, until heaven and earth pass away, not a single jot, not a stroke of a pen will disappear from the law until everything's accomplished. Okay. Now we got a problem here because Paul writes we're not under the law. <laughs> Jesus says until heaven and earth passes away. Now I want you to really hear this. Apostle Paul writes in his epistles, you are not under the law. You know How many agree with me? Does Apostle Paul write that? Yes. When did heaven and earth pass away then? Jesus said that the law would be enforced until heaven and earth passed away. Okay. Was Paul wrong and Jesus right? This is a question. And Christians don't understand this. He said to them right here, I'm going to read it again. I'll read it out of the King James Bible this time because that's a common translation. So let me get to a more common translation. He says, think not that I'm come to destroy the law of the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So if heaven and earth did not pass away, you're still under the law. Well, what would that mean? That would mean we need a high priest to take animal sacrifices, okay? Go to the temple in Jerusalem and partake of that sacrifice. Do you need that today? No. Well, how did heaven and earth pass? Did you, the, the, the natural sun and moon didn't pass away, did it? No. So what heaven and earth passed away? The old covenant. <laughs> the old covenant law passed away. So if you go into Isaiah, and we may have to deal with this some. If you go into Isaiah, God says by the prophet Isaiah, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. If I go into the Old Testament, where was God's throne at? I'm challenging you. It was in the temple. He, he sat between the cherubim on the mercy seat. How many knows that? That was the throne of God. That, that was a picture of heaven. And that temple was a picture of earth. Heaven and earth shall pass away, Jesus says. But my words won't. See, that system passed away. But then his words went into force. See, we live unto God not by that old covenant. We live unto God by the new covenant. Right? Yeah. I'd say new heaven and new earth. See, when John saw a lamb in the throne, go to the book of Revelation, he sees one in the throne, a slain lamb. He doesn't see in the throne anymore animal sacrifices. <laughs> no, 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 no. He sees the lamb of God. 
in the book of Revelation, when he sees into the heavens, he sees the Lamb of God. And he begins to declare in his epistles what the Lamb of God has done. Glory to God. A new heaven and a new earth. Wherein is righteousness. See, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do you know that? Why are we the righteousness of God? Because the Lamb was slain and raised from the dead bringing all of our guilt and our shame upon his shoulders, hallelujah, to the Lamb of God, and bringing us into his glorious life. Right here and right now, he's my life. And Apostle Paul cries out, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we shall appear with him in glory. What does that mean? Does that mean futuristic? I don't think so. If I read the whole book of Colossians, he tells you Christ in you is the hope of glory, so that Christ is in you. When he that is in you appears, you appear together with him. You appear in the relationship of God that you have in Christ. Not You don't appear again as the old man there. <laughs> no, you're not appearing as an old man. You're appearing as a new creation. A new man. It's what we call ourselves, right? I'm a new man. That's because you're appearing with Christ in glory. See, the first man fell short of the glory of God, right? Now we, by him, are brought into the glory of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. Now, I've given you a little bit of meat this morning. <laughs> so, so I want you to do me a favor. I'm going to uh, send this recording to you. I want you to study it. I want you to take the scripture, Chris and Clinton. And I want you to study this. What I want you to do. Look at it. See if I'm telling you the truth. We'll stop right there this morning. And we'll uh, pick it up uh, maybe again next time. I'm going to stop the recording and start it over.